Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Mark Levin, and we have some real breaking news here. And it's in the New York Times, and I will explain to you why the New York Times ran with this shortly. But first, the headline, FBI sent investigator posing as assistant to meet with Trump aide in 2016. What? By Adam Goldman, Michael S. Schmidt, Mark Mazzetti, the Three Stooges. The conversation at a London bar in September 2016 took a strange turn when the woman sitting across from George Papadopoulos, a Trump campaign advisor, asked a direct question. Was the Trump campaign working with Russia? Remember, this was an FBI investigator, the New York Times calls it. No, an FBI informant. The woman had set up the meeting to discuss foreign policy issues, but she was actually a government investigator posing as a research assistant according to people familiar with the operation. The FBI Center to London, as part of the counterintelligence inquiry, opened that summer to better understand the Trump campaign's links to Russia? The American government's affiliation with the woman, who said her name was Azra Turk, is one previously unreported detail of an operation that has become a political flashpoint in the face of accusations by President Trump and his allies that American law enforcement and intelligence officials spied on his campaign to undermine his electoral chances. Last year, he called it Spygate. Now, listen to this reporting. Trump called it Spygate. Trump and his allies. Excuse me. Has nothing to do with Trump, his allies, Spygate, or anything else. It's a spy. It's an informant. The FBI sent her to London in September 2016. There are no ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. There was no collusion. The decision to use Ms. Turk in the operation aimed at a presidential campaign official. Listen to this. Listen to this spin shows the level of alarm inside the FBI during a frantic period when the Bureau was trying to determine the scope of Russia's attempt to disrupt the 2016 election, but could also give ammunition to Mr. Trump and his allies for their spying claims. When will the New York Times reveal itself as the propaganda sheet that it is? Let me read this again so we can pick it to pieces. The decision to use Ms. Turk in the operation aimed at a presidential campaign official, shows the level of alarm inside the FBI during a frantic period when the FBI was trying to determine the scope of Russia's attempts to disrupt the election? Excuse me. They didn't use one of these quote-unquote investigators with the Hillary Clinton campaign. 
This had nothing to do with Russia's involvement in our campaign. It had everything to do with the Obama administration's involvement in our campaign. And then look how the Three Stooges called reporters put it. But could also give ammunition to Mr. Trump and his allies for their spying claims. What the hell kind of reporting is this? I'll explain that in a minute. Ms. Turk went to London to help oversee the politically sensitive operation. Working along, listen, working alongside a longtime informant, the Cambridge professor, Stephen Halper, another spy. The move was a sign that the Bureau wanted in place a trained investigator for a layer of oversight, as well as someone who could gather information for or serve as a credible witness in any potential prosecution that emerged from the case. Two spies. Count them. Two. A spokesman for the FBI declined to comment, as did a lawyer for Mr. Halper, Robert D. Luskin. Last year, Bill Prestop, then the Bureau's top counterintelligence agent, who was deeply involved in the Russian inquiry, told Congress during a closed-door hearing that there was no FBI conspiracy against Mr. Trump or his campaign. Look how these three stooges, who claim to be journalists, are trying to build a brief to defend what took place in this country. The police state tactics of the Obama administration. The London operation yielded no fruitful information. But FBI officials have called the Bureau's activities in the months before the election both legal and carefully considered under extraordinary circumstances. They are now under scrutiny as part of an investigation by Michael E. Horowitz, the Justice Department Inspector General. He could make the results public in May or June. Attorney General William Barr has said some of the findings are likely to be classified. Ding, 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 ding. This is spin. They're trying to get this out ahead of the Horowitz report. They're trying to get this out ahead of Bill Barr conducting his investigation into how this this attempt to change the results of the election, to undermine the campaign by the Obama administration. They're trying to get this out before Horowitz and Barr. This is why Nancy Pelosi went to the microphone and trashed the Attorney General of the United States today. This is why the House Judiciary Committee trashed the Attorney General of the United States today. This is why the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee trashed the Attorney General of the United States today. This is why every single mouthpiece, every single mouthpiece for the police state in the media has trashed the Attorney General of the United States, despite the fact that he turned over the report the Mueller report with minimal redactions. Do you see what's going on in this country, ladies and gentlemen? The New York Times is Pravda. That's what it is. And it was Pravda back in 1932 and 33, when it was a mouthpiece for Stalin as he was slaughtering Ukrainians. Let me go on. This account was described in interviews with people familiar with the FBI activities of Mr. Halper, Ms. Turk, and the Inspector General's investigation. They spoke on the condition of anonymity, of course. So we, you, the American people, can't get the full news story about who's involved in this. 
because they were not authorized to discuss the subjects of a continuing inquiry. As part of Inspector General Horowitz's investigation, his office has examined Mr. Halper's past work as an FBI informant and asked witnesses about whether agents had adequate control of Mr. Halper's activities. People familiar with the inquiry have said this is now an attempt to undermine the Inspector General of the United States Department of Justice before he issues his report. That is the cause of the New York slimes. That is the cause of the Washington Compost. That is the cause of CNN and MSLSD and all the rest of them. While in London in 2016, Ms. Turk exchanged emails with Mr. Papadopoulos saying meeting him had been the highlight of my trip, according to messages provided by Mr. Papadopoulos. I am excited about what the future holds for us, smiley face, she wrote. This is being leaked wholesale to the New York slimes. And you know damn well if this wasn't an attempt to undermine the inspector general and the attorney general of the United States, it would not have been leaked to the New York Times. Weeks before Mr. Papadopoulos met with Ms. Turk and Mr. Halper, both FBI spies, the FBI had opened its investigation into the Russia effort based largely on information that Mr. Papadopoulos had relayed to an Australian diplomat about a Russian offer to help the Trump campaign releasing thousands of hacked Democratic emails. I have never bought that line. Never, ever. It has never made sense to me. The FBI received the information from the Australian government July 26, 2016, the special counsel's report said, and the bureau code named its investigation Crossfire Hurricane. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know what it is? There was no collusion. There was no collaboration. There was no conspiracy. Even Mueller and his band of left-wing Democrat donors who hate the president of the United States, who wanted to remove the president of the United States, had to confess that there was no collusion. It goes on. Investigators scrambled to determine whether Mr. Papadopoulos had any Russian contacts while deciding to scrutinize three additional Trump campaign aides who had concerning ties to Russia. Paul Manafort, its chairman, Michael T. Flynn, who went on to be president's first national security advisor, and Mr. Page. Now look at this. So they get a warrant, a FISA Corps warrant against Mr. Page. They renew it three times. Nothing. Zippo. They set up Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn. Honorable. Retired. First time, take a pass. Second time with a phony false statements claim. And then Manafort. They go after Manafort, not because of collusion, not because of conspiracy, not because of collaboration, but on taxes. Years old tax charges. Secrecy was paramount for the FBI officials because... The New York Times now is just regurgitating, regurgitating what its police state tyrants within our government is feeding to it. Like the old days of Stalin in 1932 and 33 and Walter Durante, as you'll see in my new book. Secrecy was paramount for the FBI officials because of the sensitivities of investigating campaign advisors during a presidential race. Oh, you don't say. Had the investigation into Trump advisors' contacts with Russia become public, it could have devastated the Trump campaign. Listen to this. They kept it secret to protect Trump and his campaign, wouldn't you know? And top bureau officials 
were enduring fresh attacks over their handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Notice the House Judiciary Committee will have absolutely no interest in this. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. One of the agents involved in the Russia inquiry, a seasoned counterintelligence investigator out of New York, turned to Mr. Halper, whom he'd viewed as a reliable and trusted informant, a.k.a. spy. They had a long-standing relationship. The agent had even spoken at an intelligence seminar that Mr. Halper taught at the University of Cambridge, discussing his work investigating a Russian espionage ring known as the Illegals. Mr. Halper had the right resume for the task. Look at this phony reporting. He was a foreign policy expert who had worked for the Pentagon. He'd been gathering information for the FBI for about two decades and had good contacts in Chinese and Russian government circles that he could use to arrange meetings with high-ranking officials. According to a person briefed on Mr. Halper's relationship with the FBI, this actually, these three stooge phony journalists, this actually does enormous damage to the FBI and to Halper. They went after Halper, used him as a spy against the Trump campaign because of his exceptional contacts, his exceptional background. The FBI instructed Mr. Halper to set up a meeting in London with Mr. Papadopoulos, but gave him few details about the broader investigation a person familiar with the episode said. See this leaking? Mr. Barr, you need a leak investigation. I would take the former top five officials of the FBI, put them under oath, bring them in front of a grand jury, put them to the test. I would take every damn one of these phony prosecutors in Mueller's office, put them under oath, put them in front of the grand jury, and find out what the hell's going on here. Screw Nancy Pelosi and Nadler. They can hold you in contempt. We hold them in contempt. Absolute, utter contempt. There's more to this story. More. I'll be right back. Mark in. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. continue here of the spying against the Trump campaign by the Federal Bureau of Investigation senior officials. A second spy we have now learned as a result of a leak to the New York Times where the perpetrators are trying to get ahead of the Inspector General's report and ahead of Bill Barr's investigation. Two spies. The FBI instructed Mr. Halper, I'm picking up where we left off, 
to set up a meeting in London with Mr. Papadopoulos, but gave him few details about the broader investigation. A person familiar with the episode said his job was to figure out the extent of any contacts between Trump campaign advisors and Russia. Mr. Halper used his position as a respected academic to introduce himself to both Mr. Papadopoulos and Mr. Page, whom he also met with several times. He arranged a meeting with Mr. Papadopoulos in London to discuss a Mediterranean national gas project, offering $3,000 for his time in a policy paper. The FBI also decided to send Ms. Turk to take part in the operation, people familiar with it said, and to pose as Mr. Halper's assistant for the FBI, placing such a sensitive undertaking in the hands of a trusted government investigator was essential. This is a leak coming from the people who used to serve at the top of the FBI and aren't there anymore, and the Mueller operation. No wonder Mueller didn't want to investigate this. No no wonder Mueller and his band of Democrat donor hacks. No wonder they didn't want to cross the red line and to find out the true involvement of the FBI interfering with the Trump campaign. Mr. Trump has repeatedly claimed that British intelligence spied on his campaign, an accusation the British government has vigorously denied. Well, what Mr. Trump meant to say, because he's in the blind like all the rest of us, he's the victim. It wasn't the British who were spying on him. It was the Obama administration that was spying on his campaign, trying to set it up. When Mr. Papadopoulos arrived in London on September 15, he received a text message from Ms. Turk. She invited him for drinks. In his book, Deep State Target, Mr. Papadopoulos described her as attractive and said she almost immediately began questioning him about whether the Trump campaign was working with Russia. Mr. Papadopoulos was baffled. The day after meeting Ms. Turk, he met briefly with Mr. Halpert at a private London club, and Ms. Turk joined them. The two men agreed to meet again, arranging a drink at the Sofitel Hotel in London's posh West End. We will conclude this New York Times incredible piece on so many levels when I return after the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss this. We're going to finish what they're saying and finish my analysis. We'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome 
to Hillsdale. It's your daily adult dosage of the Constitution. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. The extent of this uh, truly diabolical effort is absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you what's even worse. The fact that we have a Democrat party that could care less. And even worse than that, we have a media that can care less. The only reason the New York Times is running the story is to try and provide cover for the perpetrators, which tells me they've been leaking to the New York Times all along. I mean, we know Comey leaks to the Times, or at least did, through his cutout, his former, uh, this professor, his friend. And we know that McCabe's under investigation for leaking. We know that Baker's under investigation for leaking. Excuse me. Stroke and Page, same thing. You have an Inspector General report. Now, it's hilarious when the left says, let them do their job, don't interfere. And what is this? An attempt to undermine Michael Horowitz and his investigation. An attempt to undermine Bill Barr. All of a sudden, Bill Barr, his second stint as attorney general, non-controversial. All of a sudden, he's stupid, he's a sellout, he's defense lawyer for the president. You hear this, these, these vile, poisonous attacks from real lightweights like Scarborough and Brzezinski, from these phony legal analysts who haven't practiced a serious day of law in I don't know how long. These cable outlets, CNN and MSNBC, they just trash this guy. There wasn't anything Bill Barr could do that would satisfy any of them unless he did what Mueller wouldn't do. He said, you know what, this looks like obstruction to me, so I'm directing the criminal division to bring charges against the President of the United States. I'm going to ignore half a century of uh, memos that says you can't indict a sitting president, and we're going to go full blast. They would be carrying him around on their shoulders. He would be celebrated on CNN, celebrated on MSNBC, celebrated in the pages of our newspapers, celebrated in law schools and academia, celebrated in Hollywood. That's the truth. But instead, he follows the law, follows the regulations. In fact, he didn't even do that. He gave them the report, minus a few details that are in uh, secret information from a grand jury that he can't reveal. Well, he wrote a memo that was four pages long. The left didn't like it. Mueller didn't like it. Mueller writes a memo. Mueller. I'll get to him later. And yet, Mueller refuses to investigate the true criminal activity. An effort by the senior level of the FBI, by individuals in the Department of Justice, an effort to destroy the Trump campaign. I am of the opinion, ladies and gentlemen, that the Russians use the FBI, Russians, Russian intelligence, Russian intelligence used American intelligence. That they were smarter than the senior levels of the FBI, smarter than the senior levels of the intelligence agencies. You see how stupid these people are? They're all on TV now attacking Trump. That they planted information. And the FBI bit it. Hook, line, and sinker. Because they wanted to. Because Obama wanted to. Credible. Some jerk congressman puts a chicken and a a bucket of uh, KFC fried chicken at the table 
where Bill Barr is, quote unquote, supposed to testify in the House. That's your coverage today. Now, of course, if the shoe was on the other foot, if this was the Democrat administration and these were Republicans and a Republican congressman did that, you know damn well what would be going. They'd be calling him a racist. They'd be denounced by Democrats left and right and the media. In this case, they're all laughing. Let's go on. Mr. Halper continued to work with the FBI and later met with Mr. Page repeatedly in the Washington area. The two had coincidentally run into each other in July as well as at Cambridge, according to people familiar with the episode. This is a line-by-line regurgitation by the perpetrators to the New York Times. At the urging of Mr. Page, he met another campaign aide, Sam Clovis, Mr. Trump's campaign co-chairman, to discuss foreign policy. Well, aware of the contact with Mr. Clovis, the FBI did not instruct Mr. Halper to ask him questions related to the Russia investigation, according to a person briefed on the matter. Mr. Clovis recounted his coffee with Mr. Halper in Washington with an Iowa radio station in May 2018. Quote, there was no indication or no inclination that this was anything other than just wanting to offer help, uh, his, uh, offer up help, his, his um, it's almost illiterate, to offer up his help to the campaign if I needed it. Mr. Halper's connections to the Trump administration strengthened from there. He was invited as part of a group of China experts to meet with White House advisors in 2017. And why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? Mr. Halper informed the FBI of the invitation, but was not provided with any guidance, people familiar with the episode said. The group met briefly with Peter Navarro, the president's top trade rep, who had interviewed Mr. Halper years earlier at Mr. Halper's home in Virginia for a documentary. According to Axios, the administration also considered Mr. Halper for an ambassadorship. Axios is a left-wing site. In an interview with Fox Radio, Mr. Navarro said he viewed Mr. Halper's role as an FBI informant as a betrayal, saying he felt duped. All right. So 80% of this is spin. It's in the New York Times now because the basic information, the basic information is going to come out. In the Inspector General's report and subsequently in the Bill Barr investigation. And so what is the headline here? The headline here is now there's a second spy that was implanted into this process by the senior level of the FBI. Clearly with the knowledge of the Department of Justice. Clearly with the knowledge of our intelligence agencies and I suspect clearly with the knowledge of the White House. Two spies. Two spies. Now, how's Philip Bump going to spin this over there at the Washington Compost? This is 2016, Philly. 2016. It's not October 2017. It's September 2016. Notice not a word in the New York Times piece about the improprieties here. Not a word. It's just, oh, the Trump people and his allies. I mean, this will give them more fodder. That's the story. No concern whatsoever that senior levels of the FBI had infiltrated 
sought to infiltrate the Trump campaign? I mean, I can't even believe these words are crossing my lips. Now, here's the funny part. There are websites that are mouthpieces. They're propagandists. They're right for them, for the Democrats, like Mediaite and some others. I just read to you what the New York Times said. I just summarized for you right now what's in this document. Not me. I didn't create this. They did. It's like over two years ago when we went through the the reporting that took place, which indicated that there had been at least one FISA application, but nobody pointed it out, which indicated that there had been surveillance of the Trump team somehow, some way, which nobody put together. But it was there. They were lingering out there. Little story here, little story there. The word wiretap was in the headline of the New York Times piece. And I came under attack by pointing out what they reported. And for those of you who say, well, well, the New York Times has reported, the New York Times is not reporting this to get you news. The New York Times is reporting this to protect its sources. The New York Times is reporting this to protect the now discredited individuals at the top level of the FBI. The New York Times fundamentally is doing this to protect the Obama administration. Notice the words Obama administration are nowhere in this story. Notice the words Barack Obama are nowhere in this story. Notice the words Vice President Joe Biden, who was the number two in the Obama administration, are nowhere in this story. Notice how they build a propaganda cocoon around these men, around that administration, despite the fact that all of this took place in the Obama administration. All of this took place and ultimately would have resulted and did in the assistance of the Hillary Clinton campaign. All of it. And notice that Democrats in the House Judiciary Committee have no interest whatsoever. They are trying to destroy Bill Barr. Mainly, mainly to prevent this from having any resonance. They can discredit him. And anything that comes out of the Justice Department can be discredited. Oh, he's a, you know, he's handpicked by Trump, like every other attorney general's handpicked by the President of the United States. That's how the Constitution works. And we have to hear this from phony journalists and Democrats who are political partisans. Well, that guy's handpicked. Well, what are you? But the facts are the facts. And this was leaked before the Inspector General report. It was leaked before the Barr investigation could really get going. And I hope the Republicans in Congress are listening right now. Because the New York Times made a mistake. They just gave you a roadmap. I hope the Inspector General's office at the Department of Justice is listening too. You have a leak investigation you need to request from the Criminal Division of the Justice Department. Because now people are trying to undermine the Inspector General in addition to the Attorney General of the United States. We have utter and complete lawlessness taking place here. And the way the Democrats are spinning it is the opposite. That they're standing up for the Constitution. That Mr. Barr 
thinks that he is above the law, that Mr. Trump thinks he's a king. And I noticed Jerry Nadler, who truly is a stupid man, even steals my phrase. As I said on Fox and in other places, they're trying to block, uh, blackmail the president of the United States. Either you give us everything we ask, either you fold on separation of powers, either you allow us to destroy us or we will destroy you for not allowing us to destroy you. So, so, that's where we are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. You know, I was in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, today with my wife, and we were honoring the great Attorney General Ed Meese, uh, who served, obviously, in the Reagan administration. Young Americans Foundation uh, was honoring the former Attorney General. He is remarkable, truly special, as is his wife, Ursula. So I haven't heard anything that's gone on today and so forth. And I get back to the bunker pretty late, around 4.30, you know, I'm prepping as fast as I can. I come across this New York Times piece. And, you know, I've been listening to the radio on the long drive from Washington back to the bunker. I hear nothing about it on the radio. Nothing. I'm talking about the news. No news. I hear nothing about it in the news. Nothing about it in network news. Nothing. All I hear over and over again is Pelosi calls Barr a liar. Pelosi calls Barr a liar. This is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. And they call themselves the defenders of a free press. They're propagandists. How are they defending a free press? They're not even exercising or conducting themselves as a press. And this is the problem. This is how we've gotten to the point where we are. This is the press in this country has actually radicalized our politics. It's the press in this country that's pushing for impeachment. It's the press in this country that's giving cover to Gerald Nadler. And the Democrats. It's the press in this country that has misled the American people on collusion for over two years. It's the press in this country that throws around the word Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini and all the rest. Like they're like 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 they're they're just commonly used words in politics. 
It's the press in this country that has attached itself to the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party that's attached itself to the most radical elements, including anti-Semitic and racist elements in this country. And that's why so many of these news outfits, CNN and MSNBC in particular, are so thin-skinned. When you call them out, they immediately defend themselves. We're supporting, defending freedom of the press. No, they're not. They're undermining free speech. They're undermining press freedom. That would be like Pravda saying, we defend freedom of the press in Russia. No, you're not. You're mouthpieces. Our press, for the most part, is the Praetorian Guard for progressivism, for the Democrat Party, which is becoming more and more autocratic. And this is what we're going to talk about. As soon as my book comes out on May 21, I hope you'll go over to Amazon.com right now. Mother's Day is coming up, and there's absolutely nothing most of us wouldn't do to make sure the special moms in our life are happy. Sherry's Berries has special Mother's Day berries designed just for mom. They're topped with chocolate chips, pink shimmer sugar, and swizzles. Sounds good. You choose your delivery date to ensure mom gets your gift of Sherry's Berries exactly when you want her to. And your satisfaction is always guaranteed. Don't wait until the last minute on this one, because you won't get it. Visit berries.com today to order freshly dipped strawberries starting at just $19.99 for the moms in your life. And to make mom really happy, you can double the berries for just $10 more. Mother's Day is Sunday, May 12th. So visit berries.com, that's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Make sure you click that microphone on their page and type in code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, so you can get the best deal possible. Click on the microphone in the upper right corner, enter my code LEVIN. That's berries.com, click that microphone, enter code L-E-V-I-N. If you want the best discount, best berries possible. Simple. That's what you do. All right, folks, it's unfreedom of the press. Start using the phrase, in my humble opinion, unfreedom of the press. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to read something to you, folks. Unfreedom of the press is about how those entrusted with news reporting in the modern media are destroying freedom of the press from within. Not government oppression or suppression, not President Donald Trump's finger pointing, but present day newsrooms and journalists. Indeed, social activism, progressive groupthink, Democratic Party partisanship, opinion and propaganda passed off as news. The staging of pseudo-events, self-censorship, bias by omission, and outright falsehoods are too often substituted for old-fashioned objective fact-gathering and news reporting. 
A self-perpetuating and reinforcing mindset has replaced independent and impartial thinking. And the American people know it. Thus, the credibility of the mass media has never been lower. This book could easily have been ten times its current length, but that would make it unreadable for most. Nonetheless, much ground is covered and research undertaken, and many authors and scholars consulted, as the history of the American press and the evidence of its decades-long demise are carefully examined. The purpose of unfreedom of the press is to jumpstart a long overdue and hopefully productive dialogue among the American citizenry on how best to deal with the complicated and complex issue of the media's collapsing role as a bulwark of liberty, the civil society, and republicanism, ranging from the early newspapers and pamphlets promoting the principles set forth in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, to the subsequent party press and transparent allegiance to one party or the other, to the progressive approach of a so-called professional reporting and the ideologically driven advocacy press of today. Unlike the early patriot press, today's newsrooms and journalists are mostly hostile to America's founding principles, traditions, and institutions. They do not promote free speech and press freedom, despite their self-serving and self-righteous claims. They serve as societal filters, attempting to enforce uniformity of thought and social and political activism centered on the progressive ideology and agenda. Issues, events, groups, and individuals that do not fit the narrative are dismissed or diminished. Those that do fit the narrative are elevated and celebrated. Of course, this paradigm greatly influences the culture, the government, and the national psyche. It defines a media-created reality, whether or not it has a basis in true reality, around which individuals organize their thoughts, beliefs, and in some cases, their lives. Yet there's a mystery and opacity that surround all of it. And if one dares to question or criticize the motives and work product of their enterprise, or aspects of it, that is, the reporting by one or more newsrooms, the response is often knee-jerk and emotionally charged. With the inquirer or critic portrayed as hostile to press freedom and the collective media circling the wagons around themselves. It bears remembering that the purpose of a free press, like the purpose of free speech, is to nurture the mind, communicate ideas, challenge ideologies, share notions, inspire creativity, and advocate and reinforce America's founding principles. That is, to contribute to a vigorous, productive, healthy, and happy individual and to a well-functioning civil society and republic. Moreover, the media are to expose official actions aimed at squelching speech and communication. But when the media function as a propaganda tool for a single political party and ideology, they not only destroy their own purpose, but threaten the existence of a free republic. It is surely not for the government to control the press, and yet the press seems incapable of policing itself. We must remember, we are not merely observers. We are the citizenry. 
we the people for whom this nation was established and for whom it exists, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, must demand a media worthy of our great republic. And we begin the process by informing ourselves about those institutions and individuals and their practices and standards who by their own anointment proclaim the high-minded obligation of informing us. Now, I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you some questions, and I start chapter one this way, but on the radio I want to ask you some questions. What do we mean by a free press? What do we mean by press or freedom of the press? What is the purpose of a free press? Is it to report information? What kind of information? Is it to interpret or analyze information? What is the news? How are decisions made about what is newsworthy and what is not? What is a news organization? One person, like a blogger? A group of people? Say a weekly newspaper? A corporate conglomerate? A television network? What is a journalist? What qualifies someone as a journalist? Experience? Education? Position? Mere self-identification? What is the job of a journalist? Journalism a profession? Are there standards? Are journalists able to be fair or objective? Do they want to be? What is the purpose of reporting? To reinforce the founding and fundamental principles of the republic? To challenge public officials and authority? To give voice to certain individuals, groups, and causes? To influence politics and policy? To alter the status quo of a society? To promote the common good, so-called, of the community? And what's the common good? And who decides? What is the difference between freedom of the press and free speech? And does the current media revolution, spurred by technological advances such as the internet and social media, change any of this? Do these questions even matter anymore to news outlets? The questions are rarely asked today, let alone rationally discussed. They are infrequently the subject of open or public media circumspection or focused and sustained national debate. It seems the so-called media are low to investigate or explore the so-called media. However, when the conduct of the media is questioned as biased, politically partisan, or otherwise irresponsible, they insist that they are of one mission, fidelity to the news and all that stems from it. Protecting society from autocratic government, defending freedom of the press, and contributing to societal civility and justice. Moreover, they typically claim to pursue and report the news free from any personal or political agenda. Is this true of the modern media? More than 70 years ago, there was a serious self-examination of the media, and not since. A commission called the Commission on Freedom of the Press was organized in 1942. 
by Time and Life magazine publisher Henry Luce to explore whether freedom of the press was in danger and the proper function of the media in a modern democracy. Its report was issued five years later, 1947, and it concluded in part that freedom of the press was indeed in danger, and for three basic reasons. I quote, First, the importance of the press to the people has greatly increased with the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication. At the same time, the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication has greatly decreased the proportion of the people who can express their opinions and ideas through the press. Second, the few who are able to use the machinery of the press as an instrument of mass communication have not provided a service adequate to the needs of the society. Third, those who direct the machinery of the press have engaged from time to time in practices which the society condemns and which, if continued, it will inevitably undertake to regulate or control. This is 1947. Might as well be 2019. The commission warned, quote, the modern press itself is a new phenomenon. Its typical unit is the great agency of mass communications. These agencies can facilitate thought and discussion, but they can stifle it, too. They can advance the progress of civilization or they can thwart it. They can debase and vulgarize mankind. They can endanger the peace of the world. They can do so accidentally in a fit of absence of mind. They can play up or down the news and its significance, foster and feed emotions, create complacent fictions and blind spots, misuse the great words and uphold empty slogans. Their scope and power are increasing every day as new instruments become available to them. These instruments can spread lies faster and farther than our forefathers dreamed when they enshrined the freedom of the press in the First Amendment to our Constitution. Unquote. This is from the Commission. The Commission cautioned that, quote, with the means of self-destruction... With the means of self-destruction, they are now at their disposal. Men must live, if they are to live at all, by self-restraint, moderation, and mutual understanding. They get their picture of one another through the press. The press can be inflammatory, sensational, and irresponsible. And if it is, it and its freedom will go down in the, in the universal catastrophe. On the other hand, the press can do its duty, do its duty by the new world that is struggling to be born. It can create a world community by giving men everywhere knowledge of the world and of one another, by promoting comprehension and appreciation of the goals of a free society that shall embrace all men. Brilliant, no? Commission on Freedom of the Press? And mostly ignored. Is this how the modern media conduct themselves? Self-restrained, measured, and temperate? Are the media providing knowledge and insight useful to the public in a free society? Are they obsessed with their own personal, political, and progressive predilections and peaks? 
Have the media earned the respect and esteem of their readers, viewers, and listeners as fair and reliable purveyors of information? Or are large numbers of the citizenry suspicious and distrustful of their reporting? Are the media on a trajectory of self-destruction, unofficially identifying with one political party, the Democratic Party, over the other, the Republican Party? In point of fact, most newsrooms and journalists have done a very poor job of upholding the tenets of their profession and ultimately have done severe damage to press freedom. Many millions of Americans do not respect them or trust them as credible, fair-minded, and unbiased news sources. This is the first seven or eight pages of Unfreedom of the Press. This is the time. This is the place. You and I, many of us, were involved in the Reagan Revolution. You and I were and are involved in the Tea Party Revolution. You and I were Reaganites. You and I today are Trumpites. But more than anything else, we are constitutionalists. We believe in the rule of law. We believe in the Bill of Rights. We believe in the First Amendment, all of it. And we believe a free press belongs to us. Not CNN or the conglomerate that owns them. Not MSNBC or the conglomerate that owns them. Not the New York Times that failed millions and millions of people during the Holocaust and during the starvation of the Ukrainians. Not the Washington Post that did exactly the same thing. No. It's time for a reformation when it comes to the so-called free press. Not government interference, that's what the left believes in. But a true reformation, an enlightenment. This is a powerful, powerful force that has been put to misuse. And each and every day, they prove themselves to be unworthy. Unfreedom of the press. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Joe Scarborough is a miscreant, and uh, he is a media predator, if you will. That is, he just goes on TV to settle personal scores with Donald Trump. And here's in part what he said this morning. Cut one, go. For the editors of conservative journals that are defending Barr, I don't have to call you a hypocrite. I don't have to call talk radio carnival barkers hypocrites. I don't have to call certain primetime cable news TV. By the way, doesn't he sound like he's psychotic, like he has, uh, you know, a nine-inch knife in his hand looking for people to, uh, well, whatever? Go ahead. Hypocrites. All I have to do is look at your editorials during the Barack Obama administration. Maybe pull up a couple of clips of you from the Barack Obama. Other people have done it, of course, and that you look like total fools, by the way. 
our, our, our speeches. I can pull up speeches from then. Look at poor Lindsey Graham. Poor Lindsey Graham, like a lot of these carnival barkers. I couldn't even. They're watch still him. torn. Not between Barack Obama and Donald Trump, but poor Lindsey and Mark Levin and others are torn between Donald Trump and Donald Trump. <laughs> they are saying today what only Donald Trump and a few sycophants close to him were saying a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Weren't you one of them, Joe? Go ahead. But you go back and you look at their Twitter feeds, you listen to their talk radio, and listen to their attacks against Donald Trump. What are they saying? They're say, they were saying then what we're saying today, and yet we're being hysterical. Let me, let me help you out. And you must have missed what? 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th grade? Let me help you out, Joe. My opinion of Donald Trump has changed almost completely since he's been president of the United States. Based on what he has done for this country, in so many areas, he has really outperformed anything that I thought he was capable of doing. And if you were honest with yourself, your opinion would change too. But you're not, because you're dumb. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Admit it, folks. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. Like any other crime, right? You may think no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you'd be wrong. They certainly can, and they do. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. And when you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. It's the best. Now what does it do? ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing, by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning an ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, 
you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. A letter was released today, dated April 19, 2019. So that would be, what, about two weeks ago, right, Mr. Producer? Give or take. And it was a letter to the Attorney General of the United States from the President's lawyer, Emmett Flood, special counsel to the President. Emmett Flood is an iconic litigator, just so you know. One of his partners is uh, Brendan Sullivan. You may recall him, an iconic litigator. And I want you to listen to this letter. It expresses many of the things we've talked about here, but it put things in context, which, again, you won't hear on most network news reports. Dear Mr. Attorney General, this is the president's lawyer. I write on behalf of the office of the president to memorialize concerns relating to the form of the special counsel's office, SCO, report, and to address executive privilege issues associated with its release. The Special Counsel Office report suffers from an extraordinary legal defect. It quite deliberately fails to comply with the requirements of governing law. Lest the report's release be taken as a precedent or perceived as somehow legitimating the defect, I write with both the President and future Presidents in mind to make the following points clear. I begin with the SCO's, remember, Special Counsel's Office, I begin with the SCO's stated conclusion on the obstruction question. The SEO concluded that the evidence prevented it from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. But conclusivity, uh, determining that no criminal conduct occurred, was not the assigned task. Because making conclusive determinations of innocence is never the task of a federal prosecutor. What prosecutors are supposed to do is complete an investigation and then either ask the grand jury to return an indictment or decline to charge the case. When prosecutors decline to charge, they make that decision not because they have conclusively determined that no criminal conduct occurred, but rather because they do not believe that the investigated conduct constitutes a crime for which all the elements can be proven to the satisfaction of a jury beyond reasonable doubt. Prosecutors simply are not in the business of establishing innocence any more than they are in the business of exonerating investigated persons. In our American justice system, innocence is presumed. There is never any need for prosecutors to to conclusively determine whether you're innocent, nor is there any place for such a determination. Our country would be a very different and very dangerous place. If prosecutors applied the special counsel office standard and citizens were obliged to prove conclusively that no criminal conduct occurred. So, in other words, the prosecutor violated the Constitution. Because they do not belong to our criminal justice vocabulary, the special counsel office inverted proof standard 
and exoneration statements can be understood only as political statements issuing from persons, federal prosecutors, who in our system of government are rightly expected to never be political in the performance of their duties. The inverted burden of proof knowingly embedded in their conclusion shows that the special counsel and his staff failed in their duty to act as prosecutors and only as prosecutors. It's an excellent letter that underscores what we've been talking about for some time now. But it goes on. Second, and equally importantly, in closing its investigation, the special counsel office had only one job, to, quote, provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by the special counsel. That's the regulation. I want to repeat it. Provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by the special counsel. That's it, under the regulation. Is that what Mueller did? No. Yet the one thing, he writes, the SCO was obliged to do is the very thing the SCO intentionally and unapologetically refused to do. The SCO made neither a prosecution decision nor a declination decision on the obstruction question. Instead... It transmitted a 182-page discussion of raw evidentiary material combined with its own inconclusive observations on the arguable legal significance of the gathered content. As a result, none of the reports, Volume 2, complied with the obligation imposed by the governing regulation to explain the prosecution or declination decisions reached. This is something we've talked about and I talked about on Levin TV, as well as on my Fox show. The SEO, the SCO instead produced a prosecutorial curiosity, part Truth Commission report and part law school exam paper, far more detailed than the text of any known criminal indictment or declination memorandum. The report is laden with factual information that has never been subjected to adversarial testing or independent analysis. We talked about this. That information is accompanied by a series of inexplicably inconclusive observations. Inexplicable, that is, coming from a prosecutor concerning possible applications of law to fact. This species of public report has no basis in the relevant regulation and no precedent in the history of special or independent counsel investigations. An investigation of the president under a regulation that clearly specifies a very particular form of closing documentation is not the place for indulging creative departures from governing law. Under general prosecutorial principles and under the special counsel regulation specific language, prosecutors are to speak publicly through indictments or confidentially in declination memoranda. By way of justifying their departure... It has been suggested that the report was written with the intent of providing Congress some kind of roadmap for congressional action. If that was, in fact, the special counsel's intent, it, too, serves as additional evidence of the office's refusal to follow applicable law. Both the language of the regulation and its legislative history make plain that the closing documentation language was promulgated for the specific purpose of preventing the creation of this sort of final report. Under a constitution of separated powers, 
Inferior Article 2 officers should not be in the business of creating roadmaps for the purpose of transmitting them to Article 1 committees. With the release of this report, despite all the foregoing, the president has followed through on his consistent promise of transparency. He encouraged every White House staffer to cooperate fully with the special counsel. And so far as we are aware, all have done so. Voluntary interviewees included the counsel to the president, two chiefs of staff, the press secretary, numerous others. I hope Joe Scarborough is listening because he's not very good at reasoning. This should upset any lawyer in the country. This should upset any lawyer in the country. Joe Scarborough claims to be a lawyer. And yet he's not upset at all. He thinks this is terrific. He's either mentally deficient or he's thoroughly dishonest, or both. In addition, approximately 1.4 million pages of documents were provided to the special counsel. This voluntary cooperation was given on the understanding, reached with that office, that information, one, gathered directly from the White House or White House staffers, and two, having to do with presidential communications, White House deliberations, law enforcement information, and so forth, would be treated by the special counsel as presumptively privileged. Volume 2 of the report contains a great deal of presumptively privileged information, largely in the form of references to and descriptions of White House staff interviews with the special counsel. It also includes reference to presumptively privileged documentary materials. Let me explain to you why this is so important. So they had to deal with the special counsel. The people in the special counsel's office, look, we're going to give you everything. But we're going to give you everything under the condition that it relates only and solely specifically to your investigation. You're not to share it with anyone else. That's not your role. So what do they do? They put it all in volume two of the report. They put it in there. Knowing of the of the political difficulty the Attorney General would have in pulling it back. This was a setup in so many ways. And you've heard me on Levin TV, you've heard me behind this microphone, you've heard me on Fox, whether my own show or as a guest, say over and over again that what Mr. Mueller has done here is horribly unethical. And it was a setup. The letter goes on. It's a brilliant letter. Are we able to link to this, Mr. Producer, on our social sites? It's a PDF file. So we will link to this. Give us a little bit of time so you can read it yourself and download it yourself. Because let me suggest to you that there's very few newsrooms in this country that will read from this letter. They're busy with other letters. Very few. And yet it is this letter that lays out the case for the executive branch. It is this letter that lays out the constitutional case. But instead, they'll be focused on some clown, Congressman Cohn from Tennessee, his bucket of KFC, while he's eating fried chicken. He's a disgrace. He's a buffoon. He's a fool. And Nadler thought it was very funny. Nadler what? Because he's another clown. Right, Scarborough? I'll be right back. Mark
Mr. Producer, I just, I'm not very good at shooting selfies, as you're well aware. But I just shot one of myself with my headphones on in the bunker here, holding up my new book. Because, folks, I just got the hard copy myself yesterday. And we're very excited about around here at the uh, bunker. Should I send that to you to post? You, you, you better take a look at it and let me know. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it much better. Um, but to take a look, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, if we post it, folks, obviously you'll know and we'll let you know. So you can take a look at it. But uh, like I say, I'm no expert. I, I don't normally do selfies. Um, but take a look at that, Rich. The Herald Group. Nancy Pelosi's senior health policy advisor thinks he has the solution for the high cost of prescription drugs. It's called binding arbitration. Don't be fooled by that phrase, ladies and gentlemen. Binding arbitration is simply the leftist price controls I've been warning you about. Third-party arbitration panel members would be hand-picked to settle pricing disputes if government determines a drug to be too expensive. We don't want government doing that. Who, when, when we say government, who do we mean? Typically, what is it? It's the left. Worse, once established, Democrats will likely demand prices be set for all drugs. And moreover, they'll want to limit access to drugs in order to control costs following the European socialist model. There are over 4,000 drugs currently being developed in the United States. Each successful drug will take 10 to 15 years and $2.6 billion to develop. If implemented, binding arbitration would wipe out the investments necessary for medical innovations needed to find cures and treatments for the 60% of Americans who are now living and suffering with a chronic condition. Binding arbitration is a rigged game where bureaucrats always win and the patient always loses. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. What do you think, Mr. Producer? Any good? Oh, they take longer. I mean, I'm like 10 years behind when it comes to technology. I have to rely on my family, you know. Let's pick a... Oh, look at this. Before we uh, go to callers or the break, the Free Beacon, great website. A freelance reporter covering Joe Biden's presidential campaign launch says the campaign has gotten physical in its attempts to block the press from questioning the former vice president. Now, look, I don't blame the campaign because Joe Biden is in the negative IQ territory. Low IQ Joe is what we'll continue to call him here. Marcus DiPolia, a videographer, was on the trail with Biden Wednesday night in Iowa, used his Twitter account to voice complaints from multiple members of the press regarding poor treatment from the campaign staff which was reportedly blocking reporters from asking questions and taking photographs of anyone who objected. A reporter approached Joe Biden to ask a question, and a member of his staff told the reporter to leave. And when the reporter explained that they were just doing their job, the staffer said she was too. The staffer then took a photo of the reporter. A different reporter just told me that yesterday a staff member physically put their body between the reporter and Joe Biden. The reporter said they weren't even that close. And that there were several supporters between the reporter and but Oh, I'm sure CNN will be covering this. Jim Acosta. I'm sure Jim Acosta will be covering this. This second reporter tells me, or rather, third reporter just told me, 
that a staff member physically put their body between Joe Biden and the reporter moments ago at this rally in Des Moines. This third reporter just told me that the Joe Biden staffer blocked his camera shot by putting up her hands. DePola said reporters were unwilling to put their names to complaints, fearing it would jeopardize their ability to cover the campaign effectively in the future. Eventually, the treatment from the campaign impacted DePola himself as he was trying to capture video of Biden leaving the event. The campaign attempted to remove the press from a public lot and told reporters they would not be allowed to ask questions, according to DePola. It then moved the location of Biden's motorcade numerous times and sent Biden through a Jimmy John's in its attempt to avoid questions but was ultimately unsuccessful. DePola was able to capture video available on Getty Images of Biden saying he thinks Attorney General William Barr should resign. Wow, that Joe Biden, he's a leader. Everybody, when you think of Joe Biden, you think of, you know, Lincoln, Jefferson, Washington, Reagan. No, you don't. You think of a loser. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be talking to Mr. Producer to see if we should put that selfie up there or not. Keep an eye out. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have posted my first selfie. I mean, I've done selfies here and there, but I really don't do it a lot, just with the family. But this is the first one I believe I've ever posted. Take a look. You can go to my Twitter site or go to my Facebook site. Uh, I'm in the bunker. You can see I'm wearing headphones during a break in the program. But I never, I can't show the bunker. I can't show too much of the bunker. Remember that Don Adams show? Does anybody remember that Don Adams show? I'm trying to remember the name of it. All my guys are too young, and all the uh, all the protections keep coming down. You know the uh, the doors shut, slam shut, and co- get smart. That's it. Gee whiz, what's happening to me? Thank you, Mister Producer. He wins a lollipop, actually free government cheese. So um, that's kind of my bunker. Plus, it's armed. Hev- we're heavily armed here. All right, folks, let's get down and dirty here. Um, 
the Mueller report is out in full, other than some minor redactions. And the attorney general is being accused of a cover-up. I listened to this guy Nadler today. He is a piece of work. He's also a piece of something else, but I can't say it here on the radio. If I were just doing podcasting, I could say what I want, but I'm not. So there we are. Nancy Stretch Pelosi at a press conference today. She's very evil. As I've said many, many times, she's fascistic. I think I said it one night, what, 68 times or something, Mr. Producer? But she is fascistic. She is the Svengali behind the scenes orchestrating all this. Cut to go. The, the connecting of the dots between Mitch McConnell. Right, first of all, I want you to hear what a conspiracy kook she is. Now, hit it again. Cut to. The, the connecting of the dots between Mitch McConnell, the Republican agenda in Congress, such as it is, the special interest agenda. The special interest agenda. Now, of course, the Democrats are pure as the driven snow. No special interests, no Soros, no Steyer, none of that stuff. No, no, no. They are clear of special interests. They're nonpartisan. They're not political. These are remarkable people. And I'm sure Nancy Pelosi will cough up 10 years of her tax returns with her big dummy husband, Paul, tomorrow. And their bank accounts and all the rest. I'm sure Nadler will do the same. I'm sure they'll all do it. Just so we can show that. There's no special interest agenda for that. So she is a liar. And I'm going to go further. Ready, everybody? Nancy Pelosi is a psychopath. Now, listen, let's start this at the top again. Just listen to how she talks and what she has to say. Cut to go. The, the connecting of the dots between Mitch McConnell, the Republican agenda, in Congress, such as it is, the special interest agenda fueled by dark special interest money. That's what that hearing was about. Well, that's what that hearing was about. Like I said, go ahead. About technicalities. It wasn't about who wrote the letter and how how he characterized the letter. That's interesting. But what is deadly serious about it as the Attorney General of the United States of America was not telling the truth to the Congress of the United States. Oh, yes, he was. You see, they want to put everybody in jail. You heard the idiot Jerry Connolly from Fairfax County, Virginia. And uh, he was talking about fining people, punishing people, imprisoning people. Um, They want to impeach everybody. They've talked about impeaching the president, impeaching uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Now they're talking about impeaching... Uh, Bill Barr, this is a party that is completely out of control. And what they're trying to do is remove anybody who's a Republican. Pretty much. We don't like the Republican attorney general. We didn't like the one before him. We don't like the Republican president. We don't like the Republican president nominating Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh is no uh, Antonin Scalia. Don't fool yourselves. But it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're not allowed to win an election. You're not allowed to govern. You're not allowed to put people who support your agenda in high positions in the government. You're not allowed to have an effect on the judiciary. No, no, no. Only the left can do that. And then they wave around the Constitution that the president is somehow a dictator. That Mr. Barr is acting like he's above the law. 
This is the effectiveness of demagoguery. You've seen it throughout history, particularly modern history. This is propaganda. And since the media basically operates with propaganda, they're happy to regurgitate it. Because the media are driving all this. They don't hold uh, Nadler's feet to the fire. They don't hold. They bring in one freak show after another. One left-wing Democrat after another to say the most god-awful things. So they're not vetting anyone. They're not holding their feet to the fire. They're pushing their agenda. Go ahead. That's a crime. Madam Speaker, did the Attorney General commit a crime? He lied to Congress. He lied to Congress. And and, and anybody else did that, it would be considered a crime. Uh, Nobody is above the law. So now, now we have to destroy Bill Barr. Destroy Jeff Sessions. Destroy the president. Seek and destroy. These are Alinskyites. These are Saul Alinskyites. It's that simple. Personalize, destroy. Personalize, target, destroy. Go ahead. President of the United States and not the Attorney General. Being the Attorney General does not give you uh, a bath to go say whatever you want. And it whoa, 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 whoa. Is a bath? What did she say? Isn't the word pass? Did she just say being attorney general does not give you a bath to go say whatever you want? Are we able to pull that back a little bit? Let's grab it after, you know, when we have time, because I'm pretty sure that's what she said. What's on her mind anyway? Such as it is. Go ahead. Because you are the attorney general. Should you go to jail for it? There's a process involved here, and as I said... In other other words, the Attorney General should go to jail, ladies and gentlemen. President of the United States should be removed, and he should go to jail. Brett Kavanaugh should be removed. This is sick. She's sick. Let me repeat that. Nancy Pelosi is sick. But then there's Jerry Nadler who I hold in the greatest disdain. What's that? Oh, you have the, it is bath? Go ahead, play that. And not the attorney general. Being the attorney general does not give you uh, a bath. A back? Being attorney general does not give you a back? Uh, a bath to go say whatever you want. And- what the hell? Man, oh, man, Jerry Nadler at the hearing today looked like a little Soviet apparatchik there. Cut three, go. Attorney General Barr has informed us that he will not appear today. Although we worked to accommodate his concerns, he objects to the prospect of... Okay, he's a liar. They didn't work to accommodate anybody's concerns. Uh, as you've heard all day long, I'm sure, they've created an environment where the, you, they want you to think it's Watergate, where the staff ask questions and the media. The media are working with Nadler and the Democrats and vice versa. That is exactly what's going on here. I mean, after all, so many individuals in the media, as you'll see in Unfreedom of the Press, so many individuals in the media have worked for Democrats and vice versa. Go ahead. Council. And to the possibility... Ah, we- shut up, you idiot. Sick and tired of you. I hold you in contempt. I've always held you in contempt, you jerk. 
You're nothing more than a political hack. That's it. Don't wave around the Constitution. You leftists don't even believe in the Constitution. When it comes to our courts, you don't want judges who follow the Constitution. And you twist and turn the Constitution. You can't find abortion in the Constitution, but you insist that it's there. You don't believe in the Second Amendment. You have people running for president of the United States who are talking about removing people's weapons. You don't believe in due process or presumption of innocence, also in the Bill of Rights. Not the way you treat people who you disagree with when you call them for your magnificent oversight hearings. Bunch of slobbering buffoons. The moment of accountability will come soon, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he that's what he burps up today. When it comes to the moment of accountability will come soon. What are you gonna do, you jerk? You gonna send the New York militia with that idiot attorney general you have in New York? How about the idiot governor you have in New York? Only one dumber than the idiot governor in New York is his brother on CNN, quite frankly. Cut five, go. We are going to use what, what process we have in the courts and elsewhere to get the answers and the information we need, in particular, uh, the subpoena for the, un, for the entire unredacted Mueller report and the unredacted... Well, we'll see how that goes, dummy. Look at all these phony issues they throw out there. All these phony... We want the entire unredacted report. We're going to get the whole unredacted report. We want the unredacted report. And this was the point of the president's attorney, Emmett Flood. Mueller should never have written a report like this. Never. Never. I want Mueller to testify. Of course, I know how the media will conduct themselves. We know how the Democrats will conduct themselves. I'll have more kiss. Well, whatever. I shouldn't say that. You understand. They're going to kiss him. But it also gives the Republicans an opportunity once and for all to smoke this guy out. To let him have it. And to expose their views, our views, to the American people. Because they never are. And no place better than in the hearing room. Mr. Mueller, you need to testify. There's a lot of questions to be asked of Mueller. And if the Republicans on that committee... If the decision is that staff can ask a question, I would ask to be temporarily a staff member. Because I would like to personally grill Mr. Mueller. I have a lot of questions for Mr. Mueller. About him and his staff. About how they conducted themselves. About when they knew there was no collusion. About why they continued. I have a lot of questions for Mr. Mueller. About leaks. About volume two of his report. A lot of questions for Mr. Mueller. Drag his ass up there once and for all. Special counsel. What's so special? You had a conga line of left-wing clowns. Jerry Nadler, Ted Lieu, Hakeem Jeffries, Stephen Cohen, Sheila Jackson Lee. Must be proud to be a Democrat out there. Eric Swalwell. This is like a, a, a science fiction figure, an alien. Cut 11 on MSLSD. Go right ahead. 
as he did to Mr. Christ, and what do you do when the Attorney General does not turn over the documents that Congress has subpoenaed and missed the deadline yesterday? I think there's only one thing left for us to do, and that's to commence impeachment proceedings against him. Well, there you go. This guy wants to be president, hopefully not of our country, maybe Guatemala or something. Uh, don't guys like him escape to Argentinas? I, I don't know. But Eric Swalwell wants to impeach the Attorney General. Nancy Pelosi wants to imprison the Attorney General. This is the freak show. They want to imprison the Attorney General. They want to impeach the Attorney General for releasing the report. And yet they hold up Mueller. Did Mueller indict the president? No. This is a very, very sick and evil time in American history. I'm telling you. Between the press and the Democrats... One and the same. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, I want to thank you folks who are going to my Facebook and Twitter sites. Most of the people, if you notice, Rich, they like the selfie. Maybe I'll go into professional selfie shooting. Of course, that doesn't make any sense, but you get the point. And uh, people are asking about the audio. Yes, there's audio, and I read the first and last chapters, not the in-between chapters. And the reason is, honestly, I have asthma, and I can't read the whole book. And thank God there are breaks in radio. So I read the first and the last chapter. You can just get the hard copy and read it yourself, you know. Uh, but those of you who like to drive and listen to it, we, we have, in fact, produced that, too. And, uh, but I want to thank you all, and trust me when I tell you, this book is written for you. It's not written for the left. It's not written for the elitists. It's written for you, because it is we who are going to have to do something about all this. And yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun, too. And I'm telling you, we are organizing quite a, uh, well, quite, quite a number of media interviews. The interest in this has been huge. We're going to do a one-hour special with Sean Hannity on Fox. Probably wasn't even allowed to say that. We have other Fox programs. We have, uh, we're going to have interviews with the uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, with our friends at the Washington Examiner, our friends at Breitbart. We'll uh, be talking about it on Levin TV, of course, and other places. So um, we're going to reach out and And uh, we're hopeful that people who are serious people, substantive people, will take a look at this and want to write about it. And you'll be able to see why I tell you when the book is released about Chapter 6 and why the New York Times is going to try and screw us over. We will do our very best. And, of course, we will make a lot of noise. We have a big uh, megaphone here. We want to hold their feet to the fire, too, especially them. But CNN, MSNBC, the other major networks, so forth. And what's interesting in the research I've done, Fox, as I've told you before, according to the Harvard-Shornstein Center, is the most even-handed of the bunch. 52 48%, 52-48% positive in their reporting on the president in the first 100 days. That's why they get clobbered all the time. It's why they do exposés of Fox and their executives. That's why they lead boycotts and of uh, certain hosts 
on Fox. That's why you have to destroy Fox, you see, if you're the so-called mainstream media. And that's the other thing. We must stop using that phrase. There's nothing mainstream about it. Nothing. Now, one person wrote uh, somewhere, I guess on one of my shows, a brilliant person said, you know, you wrote in Ameritopia. And you wrote in Liberty and Tyranny. I'm not using the word progressive, you said. We're using the word statist. But I also explained, going forward, that while I believe they're statists, and I don't believe they're progressive in the natural understanding of the word, it becomes complicated in subsequent books if I keep using a word that is not specifically characterized by them for them. So that's what I've done subsequent to that. I do understand the point. Trust me. And I've tried to deal with it and tried to try to uh, try to address it. But they are statists. That's the bottom line. There's nothing progressive about them in the natural understanding of the word. I'll be right back. America's Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, you see how the Democrats and some Republicans knocked out Stephen Moore for the uh, for the Fed. They knocked out Herman Cain. All of our people, you see, are unqualified. All of our people are too partisan. All of our people are crooks and criminals. All of our people lie. I mean, how much more of this crap are we going to put up with? You know, there's really just a handful of conservative groups that are having a measurable impact on our country. One of them is the Media Research Center. For over 30 years, Brent Bozell and his team, well, they've not only been making claims of rampant media bias, but they prove it. And they have a massive archive of news coverage that goes back decades So they don't just bring opinions to the discussion. They bring facts. For instance, you probably heard that 90% of network news coverage of Trump has been negative since he took office. That was the MRC that calculated that. And when they put out a number, it's ironclad. I can't say enough about our buddies at the Media Research Center, and there are many. Many wonderful people there. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do yourself a favor. I want you to go to mrcsticker.com, mrcsticker.com. Go there right now, and you'll get a free bumper sticker. Help spread the word about the MRC's efforts to expose media bias. They have some great stickers to choose from, by the way, including my old-time favorite, Don't Believe the Liberal Media. Go to mrcsticker.com and get your free bumper sticker from the MRC today. That's mrcsticker.com. Let's see if I'm in the call screen or not. Of course not. What do you got there, Mr. Producer? Matthew, Kansas City, XM Satellite, go. Yes, sir, Mark, Mr. Mark Levin, the great one. It's so great to talk to you, sir. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you, my friend. Hey, I wanted to tell you one thing. First of all, I have three kids. And I'm not lying to you when I tell you the f- number one and number two books in their library is My Dog Spot and Proverbs for Young People. So, Oh, that's wanna, so wonderful. I want to thank you for bringing that to my attention. 
um, because it has it has brightened their life up, and, and they enjoyed reading because of that. So, um, thank you. Secondly, I wanted to wanted to let you know that I, I told you close to the same thing. Like I was introduced to you relatively recently in 2011 when I was uh, stationed in Iraq when I was deployed. And uh, well, God bless you, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for your service, sir. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine uh, and I kind of looked at each other and said, "What the hell are we doing over here?" Uh, because uh, at that time, is uh, the other commander in chief, uh, absent commander in chief, and uh, a, a buddy, another buddy of mine, told me, "You know," and ever since then, I've been a devout. But then I, and I'll tell you why. Every single show that I listen to, every time, every one of your books I read, there's a there's a defining factor that separates us from them. And us, I mean classical liberals and constitutional conservatives and them, the, the progressives or status. And that is intellectual honesty. After I got out, I became a police officer. And you meet a lot of people as a police officer. And one thing that I've noticed that all liberals, progressives, status have in common is the inability to be, inability to be intellectually honest with themselves when presented with facts. They have to paint a picture. And for the great one to come on the program and say something like to the effect of, you know what, this Donald Trump guy, he may not be that bad. Look at the evidence. Look at what he's doing. And for the great one to come on and say that is is very impressive, and it just underscores everything that we're trying well, to do. Well, you are very kind, and I want to thank you for your service. And this is why when the Scarboroughs attack me, it really doesn't bother me in the least. Well, you used to say this. My audience, Levinites, said that they know exactly what I think. I don't hide anything. There's no hypocrisy. If I change my mind, I tell people, I look at the facts. I look at the evidence. I embrace our principles. This president is the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. There's absolutely no question about that. And I was with Attorney General Meese today, as were others, celebrating him and his career. And he said that to me. And I agree with him. And we know, because we campaigned for Reagan and we worked for Reagan. And that's the truth. And Joe Scarborough can't see it because he's so hate-filled. And he's such a psycho. That's his problem. That's not my problem. Absolutely, sir. It was absolutely disgusting the way he, he just backed in the corner of that. And, and, and he won't give you an opportunity to fire back. That's what you know. Because he's going to deny, he's going to just brush you off like everybody else you invite here. Doesn't matter. He's no audience. He's not taken seriously. Exactly. He's a, he's a circus clown. Although I don't like putting down clowns. My wife hates it when I do that. He's a... Uh, you, you understand. I do. He's, he's a lounge act. He's a, he's a cheap Las Vegas lounge act. Oh, yeah. All right, Matthew. Thank you for your... Oh, wait, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the press when it comes out, and I want to thank you for your service. Don't hang up. Sheila, Long Island, New York, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, Mr. Levin. Thank you very much for uh, taking my phone call. Yes, ma'am. And uh, thank you very much for all that you do for helping to save the country. I and truly mean thank that. Thank you. Working 20 hours a day that you, you mentioned the other day. Um, question is... How could it be and about, by the way, when I have a guy, a veteran, who calls me and says, thank you for your service, I have to say, nobody needs to thank me for my service. I mean, I'm not putting my life on the line. I'm not facing down these uh, 
these these terrorists and all the rest of it. But I, I appreciate it. I get the point. But I'm in not even close to that category. Anyway, Sheila, go ahead. We we need you though. <laughs> we truly do. Um, how could it be possible that um, after a two-year investigation was conducted and there was no mention of Hillary Clinton and or her foundation um, in the report? How could that be possible? I'm a retired New York City detective, and it's very common during an investigation, things pop up that you don't normally, you weren't looking for. And you follow them, right? Of course. Things come up that you don't, you wouldn't even expect. Now... Did Mueller use a timeline during his investigation? I, I don't know what. But he could have asked the deputy attorney general to expand his investigation. He did that in other areas. And that's why I want him to testify, because the Republicans really need to grill him on this stuff. Why, why did you Why did you stop? Why did you not look into these other things? Well, you know, it wasn't part of my mandate. Well, why didn't you ask to expand your mandate? Why did you hire these people when you knew they were partisans? I mean, there's a thousand questions I have for this guy. Don't you? Did, Former detective, yeah, I'm did, sure you do. But did, if he used the timeline, it would have began with the Steele dossier that, that Hillary paid for. Excellent point. Excellent. Well, now we know it would have begun even before that when the FBI was implanting spies. Yeah, and I mean, I isn't that shocking to you? I mean, I, I, I read this stuff. I, go, I, can't, I can't even believe what I'm reading. I know. And um, I also, I'll tell you what, um, Sheila, I want you to go to my Facebook site or my Twitter site and tell me what you think about that selfie. Just go online and comment. Oh, when I get home, I will go on the Facebook. I, I, yeah, I don't take selfies either, and I'm, I want to see the picture. But uh, <laughs> I, I did want to mention to you yesterday, how come no um, Republican senator didn't mention why... President Trump wanted Mueller removed. I mean, I think a majority of the public don't really know why. It's because of the uh, the, the band of Democrats. You make another excellent point, which is this. Why do we give them that, that territory, the Democrats, and say, well, maybe he should have been removed? I thought at one point uh, Attorney General Barr was going to say that, but it never came to fruition. It just. But it he did make like a good point, though. He said, look. If he wanted to remove him because he thinks he was conflicted, that's not a crime. That's not right. obstructing. Yes. That's a great point, and it's true. Uh, All right, Sheila. You. I appreciate it, my friend, and thank you for your work as a detective. Kim, Tampa, Florida, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, Mr. Levine. I just think you're awesome. I can't say enough about just love listening to you. You're just Thank you. Thank you for, Thank for you. helping us. Boy, it's a real um, love fest tonight. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're just the greatest. Um, I wanna, I'm 61 years old. My dad was and my uncle, his brother, were World War II vets. And if there's any young, this is why I wanted to get on the line. If there's any young people out there that are buying the socialist fad like it's uh, new clothes that are cool to wear or whatever do your homework and any independents out there do your homework and I'm telling you right now I mean I'm, I just can't listen to this bull every day I mean if President Trump is listening thank you so much God bless you I know God's 
is is keeping you protected, and you are by far going to go down in history as the most amazing president that this country ever could have. And thank you so much. But do your homework. I mean, all I, there. I'm just at the point where I'm getting so fed up. Uh, I'm with you, and I don't think these left-wing Democrats understand they're playing with political fire. There are millions and millions of us, and we expected our vote to count. And if you try and disenfranchise us with these phony arguments and so forth, there will be political consequences. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Deadline passed. IRS didn't nail you for the money you owe. You're in the clear, right? Of course not. They're not going away. Brace yourselves. Now comes enforced compliance season. When the IRS actively garnishes paychecks, seizes bank accounts, and put liens on homes. This is the time of the year the IRS likes. I'm going to give you my direct line to Optima Tax Relief. You need to call Optima now because it's critically important to solve your tax problems while you have options. Tomorrow, you might not have any options. And Optima Tax Relief is the best. They work to stop the demand letters, stop the aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS from destroying your life. Ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands, even tens of thousands. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and they've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks like you. You deserve a fresh start? Call for your free consultation. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Optima Tax Relief. They are the best. They've been with us for many, many years. And there's a reason for that. Like I say, they're the best. Kevin, Modesto, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mark. I am yeah. feeling the love. Yeah, I'm. it is a love fest, and I'm feeling the love all the way out here in the West Coast, corrupted porn to California. Holy moly. Yeah, Mark, so I've never called a radio show ever. Uh, I'm a 59-year-old white male truck driving, and uh, I work 12, 14 hours a day, Mark, just to put food on the table. <laughs> it, it, my- it's funny how people have to identify themselves. You know, I'm a 59-year-old white guy. All right, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I know how much you are fond of us as truck drivers, Mark. And, oh uh, yes, and that—that's what—that's what I do out here in California. And uh, so I work, like I said, so a lot of hours. But last night, yeah, my wife and I were talking, and uh, you were making that uh, a war call out for us to uh, get that book. So, Mark, I want you to know, last night, uh, my wife and I ordered your book, and uh, Thank and, you. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't wait to read it. I think you're going to really like it. I really do. And I'm saying that I really don't think anyone's going to be disappointed. Well, Mark, we, we, you know, we have not really known what to do, how, how, how to put our hat in the ring. But last night, Mark, I, I, I got in the ring with you because uh, I love my country. I, I yeah. respect my president. And uh, so uh, can I tell you a quick story about my father sure. for a second? Yes, sir. So my my dad was a uh, he was a, a CB stationed in San Diego in the fifties. Yeah, and he said he it said that 
during their, their time, they, they would listen to a radio, and there was a brand-new ball team coming out in uh, Southern California, was the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he mm-hmm. said that there sometimes be 10 guys, sailors, all around this small radio, and they were listening to this one particular announcer that would call balls and strikes. They would tell them stories, and they were entertained for three or four hours. And, uh, and, and uh, that, that announcer happened to be Vin Scully. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's a the radio great icon, Vin Scully. Mark. Oh, yes, he is. And, uh, Mark, I just want to tell you that uh, you're, the, you're the Vin Scully of conservative oh, talk radio. Oh, my Mark. gosh. You are, and, uh, you are a very kind man. I wouldn't go that well, far, but I thank you. You are, Mark. And uh, because, you know, at 3 o'clock every day, I put you on under my truck, and I put my ear to the radio listening for you to give us orders, to entertain us, to make me laugh. And uh, I just want to thank you for that, Mark, that, that uh, you, you do that for us. But we're behind you, Mark. I see how you're fighting and how you're doing, especially the last three months, Mark. I, I, I see how hard you are, 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 are working and telling us what we need to hear. But the most important thing, Mark, is you make us laugh, too. You have comedic <laughs> chops like no other. You do, you, Mark. You, let me, I got to hire you as my PR guy. You should, Mark. You should. I'm a, I'm a, a Harley Davidson riding, and uh, oh, you are. So, oh yeah, yeah. That's cool. But, uh, so, Mark, I just want to tell you that uh, keep on what, doing what you're doing. We love you out here in California, and there there are there are a bunch of us out here. We just don't get the chops like that uh, everyone else does. But we we let me, let me tell you something, Kevin. You're a terrific caller. I can't thank you enough. Even though you bought the book, don't hang up. We're going to, when the book comes out, give you another. You can give to some, another truck driver. So I want to thank you, Kevin, and do not hang up. Wonderful, wonderful people in this audience. That's what you are. I try to explain to people that this audience is different. This audience is special. I know there's other audiences. I know there's other hosts. I'm not putting anyone down. Nobody. But this audience is special. And I'll tell you why. Whether it's 3 to 6 p.m. on the West Coast or 6 to 9 p.m. on the East Coast, you have to want to listen to this program. It can't just be something in the background. Because that's the time when you have a lot of other things to do. That's also the time when there's preemptions. There's times when there's sports going on. You've got the hockey playoffs and baseball and all kinds of basketball playoffs, too. So there's all that that goes on during my time frame. And to have the size audience I have, and even more than that, the loyal, patriotic audience I have, it is a blessing. And that's you. And people like Kevin. And that's why I work so hard at this, whether it's radio or TV or writing and so forth. You could ask my wife, she'll tell you. That's why I do it. Because I really believe there are millions and millions of us who think the same way. I don't mean that we have to think exactly the same way but we think the same way on the big stuff and we need to be together we need to talk to each other we need to uh, uh, back up each other and be loyal to each other and that's really what this show is all about and that's what my magnificent audience you somebody once said to me what is the secret to being a talk show host I said there is no secret but it's your audience It's not all the management. It's not all the stations. It's your audience. 
talk to your audience like they're smart people because they are smart people. And I have the smartest people in my audience, you, than any other audience, and I want to thank you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all law enforcement, our trucker, trucker buddies, everybody out there. Don't forget, get your copy on Freedom of the Press at Amazon.com. See you tomorrow. Be safe. Be safe.